The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. All right, good morning. Welcome to Parkview. Guess what we're talking about today, right? We're talking about anger, all right? So uh, this is a series we're calling Alive, and what we're doing is we're extending our celebration of Easter because what happened at Easter is that Jesus rose again from the dead. He conquered sin and death. And so we looked at 1 Corinthians 15 on Easter Sunday, and there's a phrase in there that talks about the gospel by which you are being saved. And so what's amazing is that because Jesus is alive, we can know for sure that sin has been defeated, death has been defeated, and that we can spend eternity with God in heaven. That's awesome. But what a lot of Christians miss is that the resurrection of Jesus also means that you can have power to defeat sin. That's why the phrase was, you are being saved. That we can be set free from sin so we can really live the life that Jesus died for us to have. So that's the whole gist of this series. And we're taking this concept and applying it to some of the seven deadly sins, okay? So today is anger. And it's an understatement for me to say that wherever you look in this world today, you're gonna see anger. My poor daughter, Bethany, she was at her first day with me teaching her to drive. She's just going up Front Street in North Liberty, hit that older part of town where there's no center line. And I didn't think she'd drift over that far, but the driver coming at us just, you know, gave her the one finger salute. It's like, Dad, he's mad at me. It's just like, I think you're fine, Bethany. That's more on them than on you. But unfortunately, like in her first week of driving, she saw three fingers, all right? And she's like, Dad, I don't know if I want to do this. And it's like, no, it's not always going to be like that, Bethany. But just even just in simple North Liberty, Iowa, there's, there's anger on the roads, okay? So, um, and honestly, if we're being honest, pretty much everywhere you look, you're going to see uh, anger in our world today. There's anger in our politics, maybe like never before. I always thought it was as worse as it could be. And now it's even worse than that. Uh, there's anger in our sports. Kevin Durant got a flagrant last night, tossed out of the game, all right? Even Kelly's mad at Michael for leaving for Good Morning America. That's happening. <laughs> Fans are angry at Bieber for ripping Prince this week, and so they're down on him. Um, on the serious side, you look what happened Friday night. Eight murders in Ohio. Or you look at five murders in Georgia. Or this week in our community, we're reliving through the trial what happened just at Coral Ridge Mall last June. We live in an angry world. And uh, the point of this morning, though, isn't just to dwell on the anger out there. You guys, we've got to dwell at the anger that's in here. Uh, this has been a hard one. In, in this series, a few weeks ago when I did Envy, I didn't realize how much envy was in my heart. Uh, going into this week, I had no idea. Um, uh, three weeks ago, I knew this one was coming up, this topic. I was the rage monster in our van. It was those perfect storm nights as a dad. Two kids need to be at the same place at the same time, different parts of town. So get home late, quick meal, you know, trying to get them into the van and the dog gets out. Like just to add to it, I had the perfect plan for getting the dog. The kids had their own plan, ended up taking way longer get the dog in the van, driving out of the neighborhood, start hearing Chip and Dad, we're gonna be late, we're gonna be, and one of those very profound dad moments, I just yelled, and then there was quiet, right? Which is what we want initially, and then you go, oh, that was not, and then, oh, guys, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, just, I wrecked it, I wrecked the night, okay? And so we're not gonna just talk about anger there, we're gonna talk about anger here, uh, because most likely you've seen anger wreak havoc because anger actually uh, destroys three different areas in our lives. First of all, it destroys our 
uh, relationships. And I just gave you a story of that. And even getting ready for this week, just, just being privy to and seeing anger and what it does in families and relationships. And, and even at times maybe feeling the, re- the reception of other people's anger has been hitting me in the last couple of weeks. And just, just anger is, is, is horrible. It blows up our relationships. Anger blows up our health. You do any kind of research, any kind of study on what anger does to us. Chronic anger, for example, makes us susceptible three times more likely to have a heart attack. Prolonged anger leads to, this is going to sound like one of those disclaimers on a commercial about a new medication, okay? But here we go. Prolonged anger uh, leads to headaches and suppressed immune system, high blood pressure, insomnia, digestive problems. Sounds fun. Uh, And then when anger is turned inward, it leads to depression. In fact, one researcher said chronic anger is more dangerous than obesity and smoking. At least in obesity, you get to enjoy ho-hos, right? So, but in... (laughs) anger it's just it's killing us okay so anger blows up our health and anger blows up our ability to make wise choices I mean how many times have you acted out of anger just instantly and looked back and go yeah I'm so glad I did that like there's no way rage monster like driver now in the pond because of one bad shot well probably because of 20 bad shots if he's like me but um yeah so we are never I think never proud of or excited about what we did when we acted out of anger and so anger destroys our ability to make wise choices so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to define anger. There's over 386 verses on, bi- on anger in the Bible. So do you think God wants us to get our heads around and our hearts around anger? I would say yes. So they're kind of scattered throughout the Bible. We're going to look at the Bible and see how do you define anger and really what's the difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. And then we're going to talk about how to defeat anger. And what's, what's a key principle we're clinging to in this Alive series comes from Romans 8, verse 11, where it says, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in our mortal bodies. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, you are now equipped with the Holy Spirit, the same spirit, the same powerful spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And now you are armed to confront anger. Because even, the, some of you are very familiar with this verse, but just listen to some of the fruits of the spirit. These are things the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And listen to how many of those just square on attack anger. Listen to these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Seriously, if the Holy Spirit were given more reign in our lives anger would just decrease before us. That's what we want. How do you defeat anger? And so before we look into this, um, would you pray uh, just that God would speak to you this morning? Maybe even ask him, anger can be so elusive in our lives. Could you ask God this morning to open your eyes to evidences of anger in your own life? And then you've already heard that I am not a perfect man to talk about this subject. So could you pray for me to clearly teach God's word this morning, to teach it boldly and clearly? God, thank you for your love for us, that you see topics like this in our lives, like anger, and you want to address it. You want to give us hope. You want to give us help. So be our teacher today. In in your great name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so let's, there are many ways you could define anger. Let's grab this one. Let's use this as a working definition this morning, that anger is a feeling of displeasure that shows itself in a desire to fight back at perceived injustice. A feeling of displeasure that shows itself in a desire to fight back at perceived injustice. So you get asked, well, where does anger come from? This might be a little bit of a surprise, but actually anger is an attribute, it's a quality of God. God, at times, is described as an angry God. Okay, and we are created in God's image as his image bearers then, then anger is, is an emotion, is a response that we have as being in the image of God. Becky Pippert says this, anger isn't the opposite of love, hate is. And the final form of hate is indifference. So bottom line is we get angry at whatever threatens what you love. And so if you go through this life and you don't really love anything, you don't really care about anything, then you probably won't get, get angry. But that's no way to live this life. Like we're called to love one another. We're called to love our families. And so whenever something is stepping in to threaten what you love, then, then anger, righteous anger, is what can arise in our hearts, okay? So anger itself is not a sin. Jesus got angry. Uh, there was a situation in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus was about to heal a man with a withered hand. It just happened to be on a Sabbath. And so a lot of the religious leaders were allowed, or around and Jesus said, what do you think? Should I heal this man's hand? And they just started, they just started shutting Jesus down. They said, you know, you're going to violate the Sabbath. And look at Mark 3 verse 4. It says, Jesus looked around at them in anger at anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts said to the man stretch out your hand he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored see Jesus was angry he wanted to do something good he wanted to move in for someone he loved and 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 heal this man's hand but he was angry at the resistance at the religious leaders more concerned about their laws and their little rituals than they were about Jesus showing his power and healing this man's hand there's another time in John 2 where Jesus is in a temple and he's seeing people, the money changers, are there selling at an exorbitant cost uh, the, the elements required for a sacrifice. And so people, particularly poor people, traveling long distances to come and worship God, we're now forking out huge money to be able to go and come into the presence of God and worship him. And that infuriated Jesus. He made a whip out of cords and he charged at these people, and he flipped over their tables, and he drove out their animals. And so, uh, and Jesus, how dare that you make my father's house into a den of robbers and thieves? I don't know what our image of Jesus is. Sometimes it's that he wore a robe, maybe some flowers around his neck, wrote a lot of poetry, got beat up a lot, kind of flimsy arms. Like, you know, Jesus was a strong man, and Jesus used anger in a righteous way to move in and defend that which he loved. And so um, God is described as a God of wrath. Romans 1, for example, says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Why is that? God is loving. God is holy. But when, when you know, God loves us and when God sees something threatening us, something like sin and unrighteousness, then that evokes the wrath of God. So God is holy, God is just, God is perfect, God is loving, God is merciful, but God also gets angry, and that is not a sin. 
It's interesting when God describes himself to Moses, there was a time where Moses wanted to see God's glory. And here's how God described himself in Exodus 34. He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. It's good to know that God's not flippant in his anger, right? He's not just going around like he's having a bad day and just wiping people out all over the place, right? He is slow to anger. He's not quick. He's slow, calculated to anger. Whenever God does move in in anger, it's, it's couched in his perfection and in his holiness. God doesn't say, oops, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have gotten mad there. God is under complete control and within the restraints of his holiness and his love, he uses his wrath. So, again, uh, how do we now look at anger in our own lives? And I think you look at it in two different ways. There's righteous anger and there's unrighteous anger. Obviously, the kind of anger you see from Jesus and from God, we would call righteous anger. Now, it's interesting. The Bible warns us so many times about anger because of how powerful anger is. Anger is like dynamite from the soul, right? And so, I trust dynamite in Jesus' hands, in God's hands, I'm going to be extremely careful with it in my hands. And that's the tone you get from the Bible about how we use our anger. So don't leave today being the rage monster, right? Say, well, God just gave me anger, so I'm just going to be angry. No, there's righteous anger and there's unrighteous anger. Ephesians 4.26, for example, says this, be angry, but do not sin. So righteous anger is energy aroused against something bad in defense of something good. That's why Paul can say in Ephesians 4, be angry, but don't sin. So again, there's a lot of uh, advice in the Bible about handling our anger. And what we have to be especially concerned about is this. Like I said in our definition earlier, that anger is a feeling of displeasure that shows itself in a desire to fight back at perceived injustice. That word perceived is so key because our perception is broken. Like it's, it, we could defend anything, right? And we could just justify any form of anger, just plow through our lives and just be an angry person. So we have to be very careful with our anger. But God can use anger to rise up his people to act on the cause of, of injustice or to defend the poor, to defend the weak, those kind of things. So for example, in 1980, a woman named Candy Leitner had her 13-year-old girl killed by a drunk driver. And when she found out that that drunk driver had been, because of light sentencing in her state, had been a repeat offender, there was a, there was a righteous anger that aroused in her heart uh, to defend other girls and other families from going through what she and her family had to go through. And she bonded together with other moms and the movement grew and it grew. And so maybe you've heard of it, it's called Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And because of this, I, I think, righteous response uh, righteous anger. There was a whole movement then that has resulted in over a thousand new stricter laws at the state and national level, level against drunk driving. And in certain regions of our country, there is a correlation between a decrease then in fatalities uh, to drunk driving because of the efforts of groups like MAD. So uh, clearly anger can be used for good, but we've got to be really aware that it's like an explosive. It can wreak a lot of havoc. So we want to use it carefully. That's why the Bible says things like this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So it's interesting that God is, uses anger, but even God describes himself as slow to anger. 
And so if we're to reflect God, that ought to be known of us too. Not that we're quick to anger, but that we're very slow to angry, to get angry. It, it shouldn't be that if you're a strong Christian, it means you never get angry. That would mean, again, you don't care. You're not seeing injustice in this world. There ought to be things that make you angry, but they cause you to move and to act and to step in. Okay, Proverbs 16.32 really elevates the man, the woman, the student who is able to be slow to anger. It says this, he is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who captures the city. So be careful. If you find you're constantly on the rampage of the side of good versus the side of evil, like, be careful. Like, just be slow to anger and make sure that your perceived injustice really is truly injustice. Okay, so that's righteous anger. Unrighteous anger, we would say, is this, is getting angry at the wrong things or with disproportioned responses. Okay? And we said earlier, anger is a feeling of displeasure. And again, our perceived our perception of injustice, we, we can't trust. We're not holy. We're, we're broken. We're sinful. We're proud people. So we have to be very careful in, in what we get angry at because sometimes we can use anger as a weapon to get my way, you know, to kind of force my way through, through something that I want. Really, our anger can be used to, to be very demanding. It's easy when you see a kid having a tantrum in the grocery store, right? It just, it gets a lot more awkward the older we get and when we use anger to get our way or to get our agenda, okay? So we've got to be really careful with that. The other thing that's really interesting is that sometimes our response um, when we get hurt, like there are definitely things that rouse our anger. When you get snubbed by somebody, when somebody breaks a promise to you, um, when you get overlooked, like you've worked as hard as everybody else and everybody else is getting acknowledged except you. I mean, there's some things that definitely happen uh, that stir anger in us. But we've got to be really careful about the, the magnitude of our response because one thing we're prone to is to get way more agitated about our personal hurts than maybe about things in the world that ought to be like a bigger deal, right? So like, why is it that we can instantly get mad if we get cut off, you're trying to leave with the bridge construction, somebody from Parkview cuts you off, maybe a pastor cuts you off, right? So you get so angry at that, but like, what about, again, like we've talked about the atrocities around the world, what about, you know, just tragic situations because we can just kind of push those off and elevate ourselves. We can be really disproportioned and the things that we really get worked up about and angry about. So we've got to watch that. Paul, you know, if there are several passages we're looking at today, if there is one passage we're kind of hovering around, it's in Ephesians chapter four, and Paul kind of gives a description. Okay, what does unrighteous uh, anger look like in our lives? What, how would you describe it? And he gives us several terms in verse 31 uh, of Ephesians four. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Okay, so let's break some of these down. Bitterness is that part of us that just replays. Like if something has been done to us, we can't let it go. We just keep replaying it. And did you notice Paul said, get rid of all bitterness? Like if you go to your oncologist and he says, I got rid of some of your cancer, I'm really excited. You say, no, <laughs> let's get rid of all of this. So same deal with our bitterness. Don't harbor even just a little piece. Paul says, get get rid of bitterness. So unrighteous anger is bitter. It just keeps replaying things in our mind. It says get rid of wrath. Wrath would be fierce anger that comes out of nowhere. Like do you do, you do that sometimes or do you know somebody like that? Like you're just kind of going along and then before you know it, 
boom. Like they're just, whoa, like where did that come from? But just because of storing up anger, a very, very angry response explodes out. That's wrath. There's anger, there's clamor. It's the kind of the whiny, complaining kind of anger that parents just love to hear, right? Just the nagging, complaining, whining, that's clamor. Slander uh, is actually, I think, one of these that Christians can sometimes give each other a pass on, that uh, we sometimes can collect our little slander friends with us, that we can tell half-truths about other people and get all worked up, then they can tell you their little half-truths about that person. When really you're angry at somebody, instead of dealing with it or looking for forgiveness, you take it to your little slander circle, right? And you just kind of, and that's so unhealthy for us. Paul says, get rid of that, Get that out of your life. And so really sometimes the most befriending thing you can do to somebody is as soon as you can tell this is starting to become slander, just say, you know what? This isn't going to help you deal with your anger at that person. And it's certainly not going to help me. So just kind of put up the brake, talk to the hand, and then go talk to your friend. Like, don't, don't, don't bring that slander here. Paul says, get rid of that. And kind of the punchline, the foundation, the, maybe the peak of all of these is the word malice. It's a deep-seated hatred, a deep desire for evil to fall on another person. It's kind of like this, the summary of all of this. And so Paul says, get rid of all of that. Those are all signs of unrighteous anger in our lives. There's three specific dangers the Bible tells us about anger. The first one is this, is that we don't admit it. That a lot of times, if we were going to deal with anger, we've got to admit that we've got an anger problem. But a lot of times we'll brush it off uh, we'll say things like, no, I was just tired. Or no, I was just frustrated. Like we can't say, I was angry. We've got to say, you know, we've got to kind of lighten it up a little bit, kind of foof it up a little bit. So frustrated, tired, having a bad day. But I wasn't angry, right? So we'll say that. Um, or we'll say things like, I'm just passionate. Or sometimes we'll blame our ethnicity. I'm Irish. I'm German. I'm whatever. Or I'm raised in a family of hotheads. Or uh, whatever, you know, I'm a truth teller. I'm, I'm not angry, but just be careful of how many ways we deflect it instead of just squaring up and saying, I'm angry. Like, I, I am struggling with anger right now. Let's even just practice saying those words. words. Just say, I am angry. Just say that. Okay, so yeah, it's, you know, we just have to be able, if, I'm not saying you are, I'm not judging you or anything, but just that's not a phrase we just often say. Because, I don't know, there's something like it makes us feel really stupid or I shouldn't be, but I'm really angry. Like, just, just we got to square up with it. So that's, that's something. we got to square up with our anger. Um, we've already talked about this, but there's danger of quick anger, of just exploding right away. Proverbs 14, 17 says, a quick-tempered man does foolish things. So it's dangerous because we don't admit it. It's dangerous because we just let it fly sometimes. But then the opposite of that is dangerous too. It's dangerous if we hold on to anger, if we just stuff it. So Ephesians 4, 26, 27, where it says, be angry, do not sin. Then he says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. That, that specific phrase, give opportunity, literally would mean give him a room, give him a place to stay in your heart. That when you are holding on to anger, you are just giving, allowing a space in your life for Satan to just come in and set up shop. And what he does is he's known as the accuser. What he's going to do is he's going to just sit in your heart and he's just going to keep lobbing out accusations about that person you're angry at. Did you see they just snubbed you again? 
Yeah, they're just, I'm sure they're talking about you to everybody else. I'm sure they're just running you down. I'm sure everybody else is starting to believe them now too. Like just drip, drip, drip. And so if you do not deal with your anger, you are just opening up a spot for the enemy to keep beating you down, to keep destroying your relationships, destroying your health, and destroying your ability to make wise decisions. So uh, we've got to watch out for that as well. So Okay, so we, I didn't, maybe I didn't need to take that long to convince us. We've got an issue here, right? We've got a problem. Let's talk about defeating this. And again, you go to Ephesians 4, and then kind of to set up this whole passage we've been looking at, there's this truth, again, that ties back to Easter, this truth that you have a new life offered you through Jesus Christ, where it says this, Ephesians 4.22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what the gospel does for you. The, the wording here literally is like you take off one set of clothes, the old you, pre-Jesus you, pre-gospel you, and now there's a new way to live that you put on, that you do not have to perpetually be a hothead. You do not have to perpetually be that dad or that mom that constantly blasts into the kids, but you can have and you can experience a new life through Jesus Christ. So um, let's look at how particularly the truths of the gospel kind of help us disarm anger in our lives. And if, and if we look at our lives, there's usually two targets of our anger. We're either angry at people or we're angry at our circumstances, okay? So if we're angry at others, the gospel truth we cling to is in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So the best way to start disarming your relational anger is to start vertically before you go horizontally. Look at the cross. Like put yourself at the foot of the cross and just, and just reflect. Like what has God done for you? How much, how many sins has God forgiven you of out of his kindness to you, out of his love for you at great cost to him through the death of his son, Jesus Christ? There's, there's some very wise teachers that, that challenge us that at the start of every day, we should preach the gospel to ourselves. And just think if you squared up every morning at the foot of the cross and you made a way bigger deal of your sin than of the sins of the people around you. What if you started every day at the foot of the cross and these two truths hit you? I am far more broken and sinful than I could ever imagine. That's what the cross tells us. We are so broken and sinful that Jesus, the only hope we had was Jesus dying for us. So that, that keeps us humble, right? But then we realize that he did that for us because he loved us. We are loved in a far greater way than we could ever dream. Imagine that, that spot every morning, just aware of your brokenness, but yet aware of his love for you. And now you move with that mindset to step in to your anger in your relationships. And now just as God has offered you forgiveness, you do the same thing. That when somebody comes and confesses or admits a sin to you, you graciously forgive them just as the Father has forgiven you. Or even um, if that person isn't aware of their sin or their hurt, and you're in that appropriate place in their life, for the health of your relationship to share that with them, then you do that. But you do that not out of vengeance or not because you're mad at them, but you do that because out of kindness for them. It's one of the greatest gifts God gives us is people in our lives who are honest enough 
that when we've hurt them and when we've done something wrong to them and most likely we're doing it in other places, that they care enough about us to tell us about it. If they square up with us and say, you know, when you said that or when you did that, that hurt me. I, I, I felt like, you know, you did this. And so you're setting them up with a chance to, to seek your forgiveness. And so instead of harboring that anger, instead of being bitter, instead of talking about that person, you've just, you've released your anger, okay? Through, through the confession of forgiveness. And what motivated that was that God has done that for you, okay? And I know that, that's the hard thing talking about this topic this morning. I am not, I know there are wide ranges of issues in this room this morning, various levels and intensities of anger. There's been some very hurtful things done to some of you in this room by some v- people who should never have done those things to you. I'm not trying to trivialize any experience of anger. But the first place to start in letting our anger go is to, at the foot of the cross. God has forgiven me. Now my posture is I need to forgive the people uh, in my life as well. So then what do you do if that person isn't ready to admit or own up or for some circumstance that you can never hear them say the words, I'm sorry, I, I should not have done that, I wronged you. What you do then is what Jesus did when he was on the cross. Remember when he was hanging there and the people who were killing him were, were hurling insults at them. And how did Jesus respond to the people who were killing him? I mean, he could have had some fun. He could have said like, Father, eat him with worms. Boom, you know, like just could have been really creative, could have been really kind of interesting to watch how he judged those people. Uh, but he did not. He simply said, Father, forgive them for they know what, not what they do. So if there's some anger at someone who has done something to you and, and there's no way they're ever gonna say they're sorry, then you just give that anger to the Father and you say, Father, would you forgive them? Would you, Father, I, I give them to you. Would you forgive them? They know not what they do. They know not what they've done to me. And so you disarm your anger at others. You do not take revenge. You do not take that into your own hands. Uh, Romans warns us about that. It says, do not retaliate. Uh, don't repay evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Okay? So you disarm your anger at others. And then the other place we get angry is at our circumstances. Okay, if you had that kind of week where it seems like everything's going wrong, the car's breaking down, you're sick, some people you really care about are really sick, the economy's going down, your job's struggling, it just, it just seems like there's a lot mounting up on you. And so it's not necessarily one person, it's just several things at the same time. And so we can get very angry at our circumstances. In fact, sometimes it's our anger at our circumstances that we'll take home and then just kind of blast on the people in our lives when we're not really angry at them, we're angry at what's happening in this other place in our lives. So we've got to square up with this, that when we're angry at our circumstances, who are we actually angry at? If you really dig beneath it all, who are we angry at? I'll wait. No, we'll be, well, we're angry at God. God, God is the one. God is, God is ultimately sovereign in our lives. And so all these things that are frustrating us and we get angry at, it's like, are we, are we really not just really getting angry at God? And so one thing we need to cling to to disarm that anger um, first of all, I don't think God is upset when you're honest with him. God, where are you? God, what's going on? You see that throughout the Psalms to, to express your heart to God is maybe the first step toward healing with God as you're angry at him. But, but here's an analogy. It might not be the greatest one. But um, So as followers of God, you can cling to this promise when God says, 
all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So here's the analogy. I'm gonna, here's the picture is that God is writing uh, the most amazing story uh, that's ever been written. It, it extends from eternity past and it goes to eternity future and it involves every single person, every single situation in the history of this planet. And you and I, we get the privilege of being an, a, a character in this story that he's writing, okay? And so let me give you this example. I'm gonna read a sentence and this sentence is from a novel, Okay, and let's see if you can even, first of all, tell me what novel is this sentence from, and then tell me, even let's say you've never heard of this novel, like could you just tell me the whole story of this novel? Here's the sentence you've got, okay, you ready? Everything depends on upbringing. Does anybody know what novel that's from? I'm just curious, nobody knew it last hour either. That's from War and Peace by Tolstoy, a huge book, right? So I just pulled one sentence out of that. Like how amazing would it be if somebody could just take one random sentence out of a whole novel and just bust out the whole, I could tell you what chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, like here's the whole story and I got it just from that one sentence. So sometimes when we are angry at God in our circumstances, it's kind of like doing that to God that we're taking one sentence out of this beautiful masterpiece that he's writing. And, and so this one week in our lives or this one decade in our lives where, God, this isn't making sense. God, this isn't squaring up. I don't understand what you're doing. It takes greatness. It takes great trust in us too to realize that God is far wiser than we are. God has seen from eternity past to eternity future what he's doing. It's an amazing plan. It's to bless us. It's to be good uh, to us through Jesus Christ and the gospel. So there's gotta be a humility and a point in our lives where you say, God, I have no idea what you're doing right now, but I'm gonna choose to trust that you know and the story that you're writing is gonna turn out far more powerfully than I could ever dream or imagine. So um, John Piper says this, I love this quote, the rise and strength of our anger should be governed by our trust in God's providence, that he is ruling over the evil that makes us angry and he will not let anything befall us that is not ultimately good for us. So don't be angry contradicts your confidence in God's care over your life. That's an awesome, awesome statement. And Jesus modeled that for us ultimately. First Peter chapter two, we'll just kind of close with this passage. This is what Jesus did for us. First Peter two, the whole chapter is about enduring suffering, enduring hardship. And Peter says this, uh, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus entrusted himself to his father, the all-wise the all-loving, the sovereign God who is in the process of making all things good for his children. So let me just close in prayer now. Let me give you, I'm actually I'm gonna give you some space to pray right now. And I would like you to do this. Just ask yourself this morning, who, who, are, you angry, who are you angry at? Who are you angry at this morning? And could you pray that God would bless them? Would you pray that whoever that person is, would you pray that God would bless them this morning?
And then would you ask yourself this question, why? What are they doing that's making you angry? What, what threat, what are they threatening to take from you? Why are you angry at them? And can you remind yourself of the gospel? That God has proven his love for you, that God has met your greatest need in forgiving your sin, that with God on your side, you are secure. So what is it that your anger is showing you that you're not feeling so secure about? You're not so sure God has you like he does. And let your heart follow your anger. Where's that taking you? And then preach the gospel to yourself. If God is for you, who can be against you? You're secure in the love of God. And then this morning, if you're angry at God, are you just frustrated? He hasn't been answering your prayers. You're not sure where he is right now. There's someone you've been praying for for so many years. Um, Just tell him, and again, his response to you is going to be, look at the cross. I am for you. I love you. I move towards you with my love. God, thank you uh, for the amazing truths of the gospel. Thank you for disarming anger in our lives, both with the people in our lives. And bottom line, I thank you for your patience with us and that you can even disarm our anger at you. Keep pointing us to the cross. Keep pointing us, Jesus, to what you have done for us. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your forgiveness. It's in your great name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.